Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, good afternoon to you. This is The Call. So we are going to talk about two... Uh, should say 10 stocks in detail, a stock of the day. And to help me out, thankfully, I've got two experts with me here in studio for the next hour. So we do have uh, Joshua Barker, who's joining us from Macro Capital, and Sean Cartwright from Anandera Asset Management. A warm welcome to you. Thanks, Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, look, peak earnings season this week. Um, just a thought as to how it's been going or how any of the companies in your portfolios have been going. Um, yeah, it's actually, we're actually sitting in a fair bit of cash at the moment, so we haven't been paying a lot of attention. Um, but it seems like most... Okay, um, wait, then I'll just interrupt you there. <laughs> Why are you sitting in so much cash at the moment? Um, we, uh, I'm bullish for the market in general this year, but I think we've got uh, a little bit of weakness Why? to come over the, over the next little bit. Um, I, I think the market might have jumped the gun with the early run-up this year to hit new highs. I don't think we're quite ready that. I mean, markets are forward-looking in general, and so I think that's in anticipation of rate cuts. Um, I think there might be a little bit of shock, and I think we might get some better entry points into some of the stocks that we are looking for. All right. So not a lot of cash, but a bigger percentage mm-hmm. than we would normally have. Okay, well, we'll see if any of these companies hit okay. the mark for you. Josh, hello again. Hello. Nice to see you. <laughs> um, so any further thoughts on NVIDIA? I had a mm. couple of conversations after our earlier one this morning with people saying, look, this is a high watermark when it comes to tech exuberance. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've seen some good results here here in Australia from our tech names as mm-hmm. well. So I don't think there's any um, you know, huge need to, to go chasing something that's already up so much. Um, you know, we've done really well on, on things like Ordinate, um, even Megaport reporting uh, we're going through today. Some really good Aussie companies. Realestate.com uh, is at all-time highs as well. So yeah, there's some good uh, local stocks here as well. Got it. Thank you, guys. All right, let's get to it, shall we? Today, we will be talking about Silver Lake Resources, Viva Energy, Zimplatz, Megaport, which did report, and IPH. I think Megaport was just yesterday. Um, Boy, and let's get to the stock of the day, which is Qantas. So the flying kangaroo unveiling an additional $400 million on-market buyback after reporting a 13% drop in first-half profits off the back of declining airfares. Revenue, however, rose some 12% to just over $11 billion. No interim dividend was declared. So, you know, controversial through much of 2023. Um, Let's find out what our guests make of Qantas. Um, Yeah, when you look at the result, uh, not too bad. And importantly, Josh, Qantas is still talking about demand 
in travel going strong? Yeah, I think they've seen some of the some of the numbers flatline as well, though. Um, the numbers are, have improved, but I think over the next couple of years, revenues are largely going to stay flat. Um, you know, it's obviously very much a sentiment stock. It did beat expectations uh, in its report, so you know, came in with, with revenue at eleven point one three. You know, expected only only ten point eight nine. So, I just think it's such a such a sentiment driven stock at the moment. Uh, it was up four percent in early trade, and, and that sort of slipped back. Um, going through, we've been pretty bearish on the company since those very public issues came out. Um, funnily enough, they mentioned um, you know, a $500 travel credit that they gave employees in, in some of their most important financial uh, figures. So I just think that they're, they're grasping. Um, not a lot to get excited about with this one. Profits are down. Revenues are going to flat. Um, shareholder return is not there over the long term for, for an airline. Um, and the COVID rebounds played out. So uh, yeah, not one we're overly excited about. Have it as a sell with plenty more opportunities out there. Okay, would there be any reason you'd buy Qantas? I mean, if you look at yeah. corporate travel, that's result yesterday. I mean, yeah. there, yes, maybe um, leisure travel is still mm. going strong, but there's definitely cracks kind of showing in that narrative, isn't there? Um, so I travel a lot and I travel internationally a lot and prices are absurd. Yeah. There, there just isn't the provision to be able to book an overseas trip within days of departure anymore just because the cost is so high. Um, when it comes to Qantas, I, I agree with Josh. Um, I, I was a bit of a fanboy with Qantas last year a, a couple of times on the show. Um, I actually think Alan Joyce did a really good job. I understand that the, um, the consumer aren't a huge fan, but you have to look at things like their CapEx program that they've announced. They're, they're refreshing most of their fleet over mm-hmm. the coming years. They've got huge orders in um, for new aircraft the, from both um, uh, Boeing and Airbus. I, I don't see anything um, to get me terribly excited um, and there are much better value Okay, stocks. would you sell it if you were in it? Yeah, I think I would at these levels. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it. So that is a sell for Qantas reported today. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on from that to the companies that you have asked us to review. And don't forget, this is information only. This is not personal financial advice. So let's get to it. For John, Silver Lake Resources, SLR is the ticker code. Could you please ask your experts to discuss the merger that it's going through right now? Uh, I guess ultimately wondering if it's going to be a positive for Silver Lake Resources uh, shareholders. Mm. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at sort of which, which business has been stronger, it's definitely the Red Five. So I think that um, Silver Lake um, shareholders are probably the benefit uh, beneficiaries of that. Um, I think most importantly, um, they're going to be changing their name. So, you know, no longer a gold company named Silver. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's probably the best thing to come from it. It's going to take a while um, for, for that to flow through. It's not going to get actually voted in until, you know, sort of June uh, of this year. It's a 50-50 split largely. Um, so, you know, if you're a holder of SLR, you'll end up with Red 5 shares, which has actually been doing quite well. Obviously, mm-hmm. adds a lot of scale to their business. Um, SLR's probably got some good things going for it fundamentally um, that, that's sort of probably going to, you know, I guess, have a positive impact on, on this merger. They've hedged a lot of their a lot of their gold at that 3000 mark. So just in the most recent report, I think it was uh, today or yesterday, um, they were able to sell pretty much at an average price of 3000 Aussie dollars. Um, 
and their all-in sustaining cost is 2000 So they've got good margins at the moment uh, and they're going to lock in that 3000 price, um, which I, I, I like. I think it's a pretty good price to, to lock in realistically with a portion of their production. However, uh, you know, the share price doesn't reflect any of this positivity. None of the gold miners actually, you know, really show that gold is at an all-time high. So it's not something that we're overly fussed on. Uh, we, we're not a huge fan of gold in general, let alone Aussie gold companies that are just, you know, not showing that, that strong correlation with the commodity price being at all-time highs. So for this one, if you're in it, I'd hold. Um, you've already kind of gone through the pain. It's got some good things. It's kind of, you know, it's gone through all the, all the messy stuff as well with the cost. So I think moving forward, it's going to make good money. Line up with some red five shares, um, and then you can probably look for an exit. Thank you. What about you? Yeah, um, I agree with uh, Josh on this one. I'd be a hold. Um, mm -hmm. The combined uh, value of the merged entities is uh, it's about two billion dollars. Um, it's going, they're going to be producing, I think, what did I write? Uh, about four hundred and fifty thousand ounces a year. Um, I think if you're an existing Silver Lake shareholder, the merger is a better deal for you than, than the uh, Red 5 shareholders. Um, I don't see any reason to buy, but if you're in there, certainly hold. And like Josh said, wait for the, wait till you got your Red 5 shares to look for an exit. Okay, thank you. So it's a waiting game um, is the, uh, the ultimate. John, coming from that, so if you're Silver Lake Resources shareholder, you should hold. Now let's get to the second stock on the list and this is for Gina. So this is Viva Energy. Um, let's get a view on Viva. Uh, do you think that this is sort of a, a bit of a defensive play? Um, yeah, so um, Viva, they supply about a quarter of all liquid fuels in Australia. Um, and last year it was a very heavily shorted stock. Um, and I don't really understand why. Um, um, they've got some, uh, they've got some really, really, uh, oh, excuse me, I just lost my train of thought. Um, potential block trade. Sorry, I've just written absolute gibberish. That's excuse okay. Me. Well, why don't we go to Josh on this one <laughs> for now? We've got um, some of the brokers really liking it. Macquarie and UBS. UBS mm. has a buy. Macquarie has an outperform on the stock. So um, look, it's got fuel volumes behind it. Um, it looks as if it's got an acquisition that's in the works as well. Yeah. Are you positive on Viva? Yeah, largely we are. We, we were involved in it a few months ago and, um, you know, just basically we were getting, looking to get allocated to uh, anything involved in the oil supply chain. So we, you know, sort of went out there and picked up some explorer, producers, uh, and then refiners. Um, and with this one, I think they're, you know, they're, they're a company that's making, making hay while the sun shines. So they're getting a lot- And it's also got that convenience retail business as well. Yeah, so the Coles Express, uh, yeah. and we really like that acquisition. What they're doing with their capital obviously pays really strong dividends. Um, so they're getting really strong earnings, obviously, uh, five year high earnings for them. But they're getting really strong earnings and reinvesting that uh, into, you know, sort of greener energy projects. They've got the hydrogen charging station in Geelong. We like that. Um, so yeah, I think this is a really strong business that's just going to make really strong uh, earnings for the next year or so at least. Um, it's interesting, it actually, uh, you know, in, in terms of being involved in it, it, it doesn't quite track the, the oil price because there's obviously that delayed uh, effect from when they're paying for the oil to charging it on to clients. So, um, you know, sort of the sharp drops in, in oil uh, actually really benefited them and, and the stock price went higher on the back of that because they're obviously 
charging more to the clients and then obviously immediately getting it cheaper. So yeah, it was one that played out really well for us. Um, it's pretty high at the minute and uh, it did have a yeah, somewhat negative report uh, just yesterday. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd have it as a hold for the time being, um, but uh, yeah, it's one that we like. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just sort of looking uh, to see if there were any broker moves off the back of it. I can't see any sort of standing out right now. But, you know, Definitely. talking up the strong performance, um, commercial and industrial business showing big, um, you know, strength as well. Of course, it's going to talk up its uh, performance. But as far as dividends, so it, it targets a dividend payout ratio between 50 and 70%. How much are you guys factoring in dividend payouts into your assessment of companies right now? Yeah, well, obviously we're in the midst of reporting season right now. So the first thing that we we're looking to do is obviously you get nice capital growth when you get into companies and they report well. Um, but the second thing that you can really focus on towards the back end of reporting season is the dividends to come through from that and, and the franking credits as well, which our clients love. Um, so if we've been looking to exit anything, you know, we've been trying to get out of companies that are not going to go ex-dividend in February and March and just really, really, uh, you know, soup up the, the dividends and, and franking credits for the next month or so. Okay. All right. Let's just get a view. Uh, so you'd hold Viva. Hold. Yeah. yeah. Um, any view? Yep. I'd be a hold. Harry has written in asking about Zimplatz. Z-I-M is the ticker code. Well, Harry, let's get a view. So this is a producer in, of all places, Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, Zimplat, so producer of palladium, platinum, um, iridium, rhodium. Um, they've also got all those zooms. Yeah, all the zooms. Makes you go, mmm. It, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they've also got some gold, nicker, uh, nickel, nickel, nickel and copper projects as well, um, not in production. Um, so I wasn't familiar with this company no. before I had a look last night. Um, but what it seems they've been able to do really well is invest in really profitable um, divisions. So it looks like they've had a really strong track record of being able to put money into the right parts of their business, into the right deposits um, that are generating decent margins. Um, Without a huge um, back knowledge yeah, on, yeah. on the company, just looking at the chart and understanding the way they use their cash flow to reinvest, I actually think this is a buy. Really? Yeah. It doesn't bother you that it's in Zimbabwe? I'm thinking sovereign um, risk. So uh, quite a few businesses that we've invested in have been in Zimbabwe and they've done really, really well. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about political risk. I think the the risk is probably a little bit more for the developers or the explorers in the area. But mm -hmm. I think for the producers, we have a level of comfort mm. and would be happy to own this wow. one. Wow, great. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, um, so it's actually, I mean, uh, props to the viewer for finding this one. It's not one that either of us had heard of, but uh, it, it seems to be sort of like a holding company almost. So uh, Impala Platinum Funds owns 87% of the company, which is like a, a, 80, uh, a 2 billion holding, um, which is actually a, a South African um, you know, holding company. So I don't think that political risk would necessarily be there given it is a local company that owns the, the, the actual um, majority of the business. Um, so this is on the AS for some some reason um, but yeah obviously they are pretty good they've track record of paying huge dividends um, on paper it's almost 14 percent and they actually have been consistent with that over the last few years it's not something that um, you know it's just a once-off so yeah interesting look they're obviously really profitable um, you know decent revenues of around a bill over the last few years and, and earnings of two three hundred mil and obviously the company's uh, keen to sort of pay out dividends through that 
So it's doing really well. I think if you're going to buy it, you're probably likely to get a really strong yield if that's what you're looking for. Um, they are probably getting to the later stages of you know experiencing any sort of growth, however. Um, so they've got you know sort of two mines that are depleted in, in 2025 and 2028. So the company had to do a lot of capex uh, in order to sort of replace that and a few other uh, initiatives that they're doing. So they spent about 500, uh, 500 million on, on their plants over the last year. Um, so obviously spending a lot of money um, in order just to keep things sort of uh, running. But yeah, the, it's, it's, it's like a you know sort of explorer that refines and, and, and sells it on. So uh, I think it's good. I'd, I'd happy to happily hold this one. Okay, but it's a hold yeah. because you wouldn't buy it and put yeah. in client money into it. Okay, no. thank you. Harry, hope that helps. Let's get to Megaport. This is the fourth stock and it's been picked by Sylvia Yu. So uh, we heard from Megaport yesterday, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, so it reported its half year yesterday. Um, it had already moved a little bit up on mm -hmm. that because it does quarterlies too. So not too much new information. But um, yeah, I think the, the key takeaway from this is uh, the move to profitability about what, six to nine months ago for them. Um, so, you know, that's where we've, we've sort of used Megaport almost as your um, smack bang in the middle of, of moving towards profitability. So you had your early movers like realestate.com, Zero, uh, They did extremely well. Megaport was probably right on the cusp and uh, just successfully flicked over to earnings when the timing is right. Any company that still hasn't done that in the tech space, I think is, is too high risk that's that's behind Megaport. But um, yeah, we're starting to see that come through to their financials. So, uh, you know, a year ago, um, they managed to, you know, peak out a earnings of $3 million, which is nothing because they're just sort of making that switch. Mm -hmm. Now it was 30. So it's gone from three to 30 and really ticking up over the next few years, it's gonna go from, you know, 30 to 50 to 70 to 100, you know, mm -hmm. it's a really strong business that's sort of got that scalability now that they've handled costs and responded well to the market conditions. Mm -hmm. So uh, this one's one that we liked a lot cheaper, uh, but that being said, we still like it. So I'd have it as a buy. Buy for Megaport. Yeah, it's interesting because it had a bit of uh, volatility, quite a lot mm -hmm. actually in yeah. 2023. It had a CEO step mm -hmm. down, long-term CEO. So are the sort of tailwinds now taking yeah. over the headwinds? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, whenever you see a, a technology business move into profitability, look at, we, we just saw NVIDIA, um, as you've already spoken about today, report obscene $22 billion uh, in revenue for the quarter. And not saying Megaport can get there anytime soon, but the fact that it's now become profitable, it can sustain itself. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't hold it because the way that the market seems to value profitable tech businesses will be on a multiple, I would think, hype considerably higher than they are now. Um, I'd probably buy, even though it is pretty Yeah, it's trading choppy, but $13.55, so this yeah. year up by 40, so this is 2024, 47% yeah. year to date. Yeah, and profitability, when it comes to tech companies that are profitable, they just, mm -hmm. the market loves them. That is a buy, yep. that's a double buy. That is our first double buy of the program, just as an FYI. Okay, I didn't mention off the top, I should have. We are looking forward to speaking with Nine CEO Mike Sneesby uh, in just a little bit. We'll keep you posted as to when that's happening. But in the meantime, let's get to number five on the list. And this is IPH, okay? And this is for Lisa. Lisa, thanks for writing in. Again, don't forget, this is uh, just uh, information only. So. IPH, um, I'll start with you on this one, Stephen. Sure. What do you think? I hope so. Um, 
I'm probably going to say hold. Um, so it's a it's an IP company. They operate in what seven, eight, nine, ten jurisdictions around the world, um, and so they help uh, some really large companies. In a nutshell, they help them like protect IP, their IP. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So patents, trademarks, all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, they've got some really big companies. Um, had a look at who the the register it's held by some really big funds as well so i think it seems to be viewed as a bit of a defensive stock um, i don't really understand the the sector well enough mm -hmm. to go out and buy it but i think if you hold it just based on the the customers they have and um, the tier one jurisdictions they operate in i think it's well worth holding yeah i think it might be the only listed company in australia that takes care yeah. of ip and yeah. it's something that is is obviously very necessary. Um, mm. Do you know the company well, Josh? Yeah, we had it a, a few months ago, actually. Um, so, I mean, my thoughts were there's just, it's swimming against the tide. It's a really good company. It's kind of got the, the monopoly, but uh, the total patents here in Australia are decreasing. So they really need to you know, get their growth from um, the Asian market in particular, which is obviously a little bit of a risk there. Um, you know, interesting, they've obviously been going down for the last year or so. Um, However, you know, there was a report today, you know. The, yeah, the, out, it was out with its results today. Yeah, so it sold off yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, the general commentary prior to the report um, was the results won't be as bad as what has been priced in with the market. So, you know, you're not really buying into a company that's that's sort of, you know, growing massively and moving in the right area and an expanding expanding market either. So not not too much interest in companies that are, you know, not going to perform as badly as what they've been priced in to do. And unfortunately there's a massive risk that, you know, it is it is priced correctly and, and the stock sells off on its report, which is what happens today. So um, yeah, look it might be good if if the subsector tends to turn around, this is the only place you'd look at in terms of buying an IP um, company, but um, yeah, not for us at the moment, so I'd have it as a sell. Yeah, shares are down by 4%, yep. and uh, that's after reporting a 13% increase in underlying earnings to 90.4. So talking about strong group cash conversion, but the market is not buying it today, Lisa. So there you go. Well, let's just sum up what we've learned so far. Take us to the halfway mark around about there. Qantas, it's a sell from both of my guests. Um, Steven's turned from being a fanboy to seeing a lot of CapEx, oh, Sean, sorry, um, to a lot of CapEx spending. Sean, I'm sorry. They we're just kicking it out of the park today, aren't we? Okay, and uh, shareholder returns are not there over the long term, says Josh. Silver Lake Resources, it's a hold for both of my guests. They both see, yes, yeah, some value in holding those red five shares or getting those red five shares with this merger and then perhaps looking to take some profits. It's a hold for Viva Energy from both of my guests. Zimplets, actually, Sean was really uh, interested in this company, bit of a holding company for some producing assets in Zimbabwe, um, but he likes that they're reinvesting in the business. So it is a buy for him. Look, dividends are appealing to Josh. He thinks it's actually pretty interesting little company, but he would be a holder at best. Um, Megaport, double buy. Both of my guests like the track that it's on, even though, as Sean points out, you do have to pay up for these performing and profitable tech companies right now. But uh, Josh says that it's a strong business. And for the final company on the list, IPH a hold for Sean, but it is a sell for Josh. Okay, let's find out what our investment committee decided last time around. 
sold Challenger added Santos, increased the weight or sorry, reduced the weightings of CSL and Macquarie and added to AUB and Karoon Energy instead. So how's it performing? Up 24% on a cumulative return basis since its inception. And I should note as well that MP1 Megaport will be put in front of the investment committee. Thanks to my wonderful guests today when it next meets. And uh, yeah, keep your stock requests coming in and we will keep uh, putting them to the investment committee if our guests here decide it's worthwhile to do so. All right, let's get to the next companies on the list. Meridian Energy, Net Wealth, which reported earlier this week, Perpetual, New Farm, and back to the miners. BlackRock Mining, BKT, is the ticker code for that. All right, I'd say that we don't talk about Meridian Energy very much. MEZ is the ticker code. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. That's because it's primarily based in New Zealand. But to keep Julian, one of our regular viewers, happy, let's give it a go. What do you think, Sean, Meridian Energy? Um, I I think it's okay. I mean, you're right, it's a New Zealand-based company. They also have operations in Australia and the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, uh, they generate and sell power for, uh, from hydro, wind, solar. They also trade um, and hedge energy. I think in these really high energy price environment, I think that there are some prospects, but um, I, I, yeah, I find it really hard to buy at these levels. Um, I'd probably have to say sell and look elsewhere. Uh, Looks like it's a relatively well-run business otherwise. Um, Just probably a little bit too expensive for us at these levels. Right, because there was a lot of piling into these defensive names Mm -hmm. uh, through 2023. So um, victim of its own success in terms of getting you to buy? Yeah, I think it's in a a good area. Um, You know, it's previously privatised business. uh, Overall, I'm not a large fan of those sort of companies. But there's there's a couple of these uh, actually on the ASX. Just take your pick, really, if you want something in that space. Um, So MEZ is basically the cleaner version of Genesis Energy. Basically, they're both still half-owned by the New Zealand government. Um, 60% for, for, for um, yeah, Meridian Energy. Um, it's good. I think, you know, it's going to get an uptick in, in revenues um, over the next year. Probably holds flat and the earnings will start to start to flow on through that. So, yeah, as given this is probably the cleaner version, I'd be more favourable to this over a GNE, for example. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's just something that would be a hold, not getting too excited. It's an okay yield. Earnings will tick up. It'll probably pay you 3 or 4% and, and not really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get to the next on the list. This is for Anne and this is Net Wealth. NWL is the ticker code. So it came out with pretty strong earnings report the Mm. other day. Do you like net wealth? I do. Really excited about this one. I think we had it on the call when it had its um, last update. It might have been stock of the day or something like that. Yep. Uh, and it sold off on that, and it seemed like it was a massive overreaction at the time. Um, and and here we are trading trading at all time highs. Um, it's done really well. Obviously, the update the other day um, was that funds under management are up twenty five percent to eighty billion now. Um, earnings twenty seven percent. Extremely high margin business forty seven percent. So almost half of their revenues are going to earnings Um, and that's super scalable because as that farm upticks whether it's from the market going up or them picking up market share it almost goes entirely to the bottom line Um, so yeah look there's a few other factors to consider as like the market share there's a few key players in this Mm -hmm. area basically the smaller 
um, competitors right now, so NetWealth and Hub24, yeah. um, they're the ones taking the most market share. And, and NetWealth took just slightly more than, than Hub24. Uh, they've got a lot of room to go as well. So, you know, they're only about 7.5% of the market share right now. Insignia is 20% and they're taking market share from them. So they've got a lot a lot to still, um, you know, take from the market share. And just generally, if the broader market rises over the next, you know, however long your time period is, this, this will rise with it and its earnings too. So it's very high. Um, however, I'd it's still have it as a buy. Right? Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd like to obviously like to accumulate it on weakness. Maybe if the broader market slips and you can pick it up, great. Um, but you know, there's no reason why it can't continue to go higher as well. I guess the question is, Sean, is can the growth continue at the same clip for net wealth to justify its valuation? Um, I, I agree with Josh. Absolutely, it can. Um, really high margin business and like Josh said, um, because it earns most of its revenue based on its farm with 80, what is it, 85, 90 billion now um, under management as the market, if you expect the market to increase in value by say 10 or 15% this year, even if it wins no new business, that's an extra 10 odd billion dollars under management for it. Um, there are others in the market, um, and NetWealth and Hub24 are both doing a lot to win new business. I've, we've been looking for a, a new provider ourselves mm -hmm. um, internally. Um, <laughs> Contact Sean well, if you want his business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hi. Um, <laughs> so um, I think it's a really good business, and I would also buy at these levels. I think there's a fair way to go, and I think they can continue to win market share. Awesome. So that is a second double buy from my guys today in studio. Josh Barker from Macro Capital, Sean Cartwright from Anadera Asset Management. Okay, let's go to stock number eight, Perpetual. This has been picked by Jason. So what do you think? Um, I'll start with you, Sean. Are the glory right. days over for Perpetual? Um, look. As of every time I'm on the call, there seem to be fund managers, yeah. and I'm just not a fan. I, I don't see any reason to invest in the manager. Um, sure, go and put your money in the fund, or better yet, put it in one of my funds. Um, but I just don't see a lot to get excited about. There was a little bit of an uptick last year after it top copped an absolute beating on news that they thought Sol Patterson might, uh, sorry, Washington Sol mm -hmm. Patterson may take over. I think they own 12-ish percent, so they're still a long way from having to put in a takeover offer. Um, so obviously their earnings have gone down as a result of the market falling and we've heard the news about significant um, outflows as well. Um, I just don't see anything to get excited about and I would sell. Sell now. is the call for perpetual. Josh, can you disagree? No, unfortunately not. Um, a lot of M&A talk around this one. Everyone's sort of sw swimming around for it. Um, maybe Magellan probably ends itself up in a, in a similar position. I'd much rather one of the one of the platforms that we just spoke about, Hub or, or NetWealth, than than actual a fund manager at the moment too. Um, and and we like Solpats, so I think Solpats is obviously, if they're looking to buy up this business, it's down fifty percent in the last couple of years, even more from its all-time highs. So a uh, bit of bargain hunting coming in from them. Obviously, they probably have some synergies within their other businesses too. So um, yeah, I think it's sort of. You know, they're looking to separate part of their businesses as well. You know, it's remnant of AMP splitting it off and, you know, trying to stay afloat that way. Um, yeah, not a fan of this one 
out of all the fund managers would be pretty low on the list, um, but not into the fund managers overly either. So, um, yeah. I feel like we should put a (laughs) PSA, a public service announcement out to um, our viewers that it's really tough to get fundies to (laughs) speak favorably about any other fund manager. I think it's unanimous on the call every time that the the guys that work in finance never do the fund managers. Yeah, yeah, it is sort of true. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Okay, so let's go to uh, number nine that's on the list, uh, New Farm. I don't know if New Farm has reported. Forgive me. It's uh, They come so fast and furious this week that it's hard to uh, to keep track of it. But now it doesn't look as if it's reported. It's the ninth stock of the day. It's been picked by Mark. Uh, Josh, you guys at Macro like New Farm? No, no, not at the minute. Um, it's an ag stock, so a report yeah. off season as well. So uh, they'll, they'll, give their, they'll, they'll give their numbers in, in May. Um, but last numbers, which was back in November, you know, it's it, not, not a lot to get too excited about. What they do that, that is interesting about their business, probably more long term, um, is the, the seed technologies. So that part of their business was actually up 67% uh, from the last year. But a lot of that was offset by their by their margins being hit in the Asian Pacific region. So, yeah, revenues flat um, on their last report, earnings largely flat too. Net debt has gone up 150% and next to no yield. So um, yeah, I just think it's you know pretty moderate growth over the next five years anyway. So there's much better opportunities out there. Um, I'd have it as a sell. Mm-hmm. It's not at a bad price. So I don't think you're gonna wear too much pain by, by getting out of this one now. And so when you consider new farm, you're mm. not always thinking about, you know, when we talk about ag stocks so often, it's favorable weather conditions in Australia, yeah. you know, improving the prospects for, I guess, crop um, crops. Mm. So you're happy to sort of, you look more towards the tech when it comes to New Farm? Yeah, I think that's the that's what differentiates this company in particular. Um, but, you know, it's still an ag stock, you know, half the report talks about the weather. So um, yeah, not don't want to take on that risk at the minute. Okay. Um, are there any ag stocks that you guys do like? Uh, look, Elders has been constructive and probably oversold with all of the um, with all of the sort of negativity around the weather again, um, and the CEO obviously individual companies. But um, you know, for us, if clients have got it, we're just holding on to. We're not sort of um, looking to allocate into any ag stocks just right at this time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We've got a couple buys: Bell Potter, City, Ordmanets, and UBS. Mm-hmm. Um, look. What do you make of New Farm? I mean, so many people just sort of say I would never invest in an egg stock. Is yeah. that you? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, re- they refer to them as a uh, crop protection technology company. But like Josh said, they're so exposed to the weather. Um, I-, I just see it as way too risky. I-, I was speaking to your colleagues on the way in about how hot and humid it's been and how unpredictable <laughs> the weather's been lately. Um, we just don't want to risk any capital on a business that's so exposed to things that you can't control. Um, I think if you really wanted to hold an ag stock, I agree with Josh and Elders is probably the one you should look at, but I don't see any reason to hold this one um, at any level, quite frankly. Okay, so that is a a sell. We'll call it that for New Farm, both from Josh and from Sean. All right, let's get to the last stock on your list. 
our list, I guess we could say. This has been picked by Sid BKT. This is Black Rock Mining. Okay, um, I don't know anything about Black Rock Mining. Who does? Who wants to put their hand up to go first on this one? Yo. There you go, Sean. Okay, so Black Rock. Um, it's a graphite, uh, graphite company. They've got um, operations in, um, South, in Africa and also in South Australia. So the graphite market, it's something that we're really focused on. Um, I think I spoke with Andrew a little while ago about China restricting exports of mm -hmm. graphite. Um, and so we saw a big uptick, uh, was that chart? Yeah, we saw a big uptick when that occurred in BlackRock uh, late last year. Um, and I just think you have to have a look at some of the uh, shareholders that they have, but also their prospects and the sort of graphite they're going to be producing. POSCO have ended up being the top off shareholder. Take, yeah. yeah, so offtake. Um, POSCO are now the biggest shareholder. So if you don't know who POSCO is, they're a Korean steelmaker. And POSCO have been very active in trying to secure um, graphite um, to help them produce uh, steel or green steel. Um, so uh, POSCO started taking a position in this company a little while ago and they've worked their way up. I think there is a huge uh, market for graphite now that China are starting to pull back and they're restricting their exports. And I think BlackRock at these prices, I know it's a, it's a relatively smaller market cap company, um, but I think there's a lot of upside here. And I think we probably won't start to see the real, uh, the real impact of the Chinese restrictions until later this year. So I don't mind accumulating BlackRock at these levels and I would say it's a buy. What are the risks though associated with it? Um, there are still considerable risks, mm -hmm. right? So um, they've still got to get to production for half of their, their, their deposits. Um, although having someone like POSCO on there that might be willing to pay upfront for offtake, um, I think that does limit some of it. Um, the biggest risk though is that China changed their mind and decided to start flooding the market with cheap graphite mm -hmm. again. I don't see it happening because I think China really need to firm up their own supplies. So that to me is the biggest risk right now, but I think anyone that is, has got the ability to produce graphite will have a big market. Mm -hmm. And so what, you, you know, what's your strategy around picking producers as yeah. opposed to those that are still pre-production? Because you know, yeah. the easy thing, which a lot of people say is just pick the producers, the ones that are producing already in large quantity. Yeah, um, absolutely. But those that are developing, so pretty close to having feasibility studies, we'd look at those. We're not so much focused on the explorers or greenfield sort of exploration projects. Our preferred graphite play is actually a... Hazer? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. It's, I was just looking it up because I remember that yeah. this is your biggest pick. It's, it's our pick for the year. So, and um, I think Josh is a, a shareholder as well. So, um, sorry to take the shine off BlackRock, but Hazer, their, their hydrogen production process produces a carbon negative graphite. Mm -hmm. um, and I would think that companies like POSCO, for example, would be really, really attracted to this product. Mm -hmm. It's, um, yeah. That's my pick. All right. Well, so there's a buy on BlackRock Mining, but there's yeah. a bonus buy coming through for Hazer Group. Yeah. Josh, let's start with BlackRock okay. Mining. Um, look, it's obviously had a tough run. Um, they've done a lot of cap raises as well. So that's kind of diluted the, the main um, shareholder to be to be less than 10% the actual, actual founder. So um, 
yeah, rare earths, obviously, we know they've been under a lot of pressure. There's larger names in this space, like Alinus, for example, um, which is obviously still going down, so that's not necessarily a bonus buy from me at all. Um, but what you can necessarily do if, if, if you're not an expert on picking which company is going to go from exploration to production and do that quite well, is at least wait until some of the larger names are starting to show signs of life. Um, you know, we saw that in the market recently with the large, you know, seven stocks moving first, then the other, you know, ones playing catch up, and then hopefully we'll see the small caps come through. You know, we'll probably see some, something similar um, in the rare earth play. So, you know, once Linus starts to starts to improve, then people will flow down the market cap and start to look at the more risky plays like into BlackRock. So I just think um, don't be too early in terms of this one. Um, you know, unfortunately there's that risk that they may just continue to dilute shareholders. Obviously, as Sean mentioned, we like Hazer. Um, we like them on a, on, a, on a basis that the fact that they're going to get revenues and, and really large scalable revenues moving forward as well. They're going to be self-sufficient. You know, they're going to be something that can fund themselves as well, um, especially if that, that does really take off. So, yeah, much larger, much larger market cap than something like BlackRock. I'm not sure. I think it's very, very low at the moment, obviously, given the share price. But, um, yeah, not, BlackRock's not something that we'd have as investment grade. I think you can only have so many explorers and non-revenue producing companies in your portfolio. Uh, and this one's just not top tier for us anyway. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask for a next question about strategy. Be- mm. You answered it there perfectly. Mm. So y- you you just have to keep your allocation to these specky, if we want to yeah. call it that kind of stocks, low. Um, is there any part time in the cycle where you feel confident to sort of increase that exposure? Yeah, well, I mean, we've kind of already experienced that, for example, with lithium when that was going really well. The underlying commodity price is, is probably a big determinant of mm-hmm. being over allocated in that area. Um, you know, when we saw the price of lithium go up, yeah, sure, PLS did well, but so did all the others. Mm-hmm. So that's when you can sort of uh, be overweight. You know, times like now where Rare Earth is coming off still, it may be a turning point, but it's still coming off, super underweight. And, and same with lithium. Yeah, well, that's a good point about lithium. I mean, I don't know how you're allocated into <coughs> lithium, but, you know, there's lots of talk that we're sort of nearing the bottom because we're hearing lots of M&A. We had today, I think it's... Uh, report? Sci- yeah. uh, Sci- Siona Mining, oh. you've got um, one of the other big companies sort of selling their stake in, the, in it. So, you know, these are all sort of signals, yeah. right, that we're nearing the bottom? Well, lithium, you just, all of the marginal producers are now priced out of the market with the price. And when you get to that sort of position, you're, you've got all these projects that take five, six, seven, eight, ten years to come into production. All of a sudden, they're not economic because the companies mm-hmm. can't raise the capital because their their production's going to be so low. So the price has to go up at some point. We aren't going to, um, the the need for lithium isn't going away. I, I, I don't think we're going to get back to 80,000 a tonne or wherever it was uh, this time last year in the near term. But I think there's still a lot of upside for lithium. I, internally, our view is that the price will start to turn in around April or May. Um, and so we're, we haven't started taking positions yet, but we, like Josh said, we will start in the producers and then we'll filter out to the developers and maybe then to some of the explorers. But with lithium as well, we're being really, really careful about which jurisdictions we focus on. Um, there's a lot in South America, which are, I think it's a bit of a basket case over there. You've got re- politically quite unstable. Most of the projects over there are brine, which in theory are low cost. But I think the reality for a lot of those brine projects are that the costs are going to be a lot higher. 
than what they first report. So if you're looking at lithium, I think you can't really go past some of the big caps in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, Canada's a really good jurisdiction. I think America's got some good deposits as well. But, right. Yeah. Well, um, guys, thank you. That was a good little chat to end there. Let me just run our viewers through what we learned in terms of your calls for these companies that they nominated. So when we get to uh, Meridian Energy, it is a hold for Josh. It is a sell for Sean. Um, taking a look at net wealth, both guys really like this one. Sean points to its high margins. I think Josh even said he was very excited about net wealth. Um, looking at the funds under management, so it is a buy for him. Um, getting to Perpetual, it's a sell for both of my guests who also manage people's money. Um, look, potential M&A, but uh, they're just looking for a bargain. Uh, nothing to get excited about in Sean's view. All right, elders, look, Sean points out that it's in the basket of things that you cannot control. He avoids ag stocks in general. It's a sell for him, sell for Josh as well at the mercy of uh, too many factors beyond the company's control. And then, good little chat to end about BlackRock Mining. It's a buy for Sean. He likes the graphite story, particularly when it comes to Chinese restrictions. Thinks that there's a lot of upside, but prefers actually Hazer in the space. Josh owns Hazer as well. Um, he just reckons you don't need to be too early to some of these stories, like a BlackRock. Might even need to raise a bit more cash before it gets to full production. So just something a bit of a cautionary tale there when it comes to strategy with some of these um, early stage companies. All right, um, huge thanks, Sean Cartwright, thank Manadera Asset Management. Thank you, Josh Barker from Macro Capital. Really me. appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you sending in all of your stock requests. Uh, stay with us, we'll bring you more reporting season coverage and beyond after this very short break. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.